Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours on this episode. I spoke with uh, visual artist and sculptor Mike Levitt. Um, he's based out of uh, the Pacific Northwest. Um, Mike has done a lot of stuff. He's probably, to a lot of people, might be most well-known for doing the original sculpture that the Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure was based on, but he's done a lot more than that. And we got into, you know, just kind of tip of the iceberg stuff um, from his career in this conversation. He was on a, you know, had pretty limited time and I was, you know, I'm very appreciative of him taking the time to chat with me um, across three timelines. But um, yeah, I really enjoyed this, this conversation with Mike Levitt quite a bit. So enjoy. It's, um, this podcast normally I do in person with people. Like I, I've been doing this for about five years and, uh, you know, I have friends across the country. I'm in New Hampshire, but I have friends on the West coast. I have friends in the middle of the country and they're always like, yeah, let's do it over the phone. I was like, well, it's kind of, I like the face to face conversation, but obviously, you know, location plus a a global pandemic make it not possible right now. But, uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny. I, I, I said, you know, you're very punctual, which, you know, uh, I s- seem a little surprised only because it's mostly artists, writers, and musicians I talk to and, you know, creative people and punctuality don't always go that well together. I, I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the, the anomaly from that norm. Yeah. I well, mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm like really organized and all of my boxes are like anally labeled and right. I, it's, you know, that, and that whenever people come visit my studio, it's the first thing they say, they're like, wow, you're so organized. And it is the same level of kind of like surprise. Like, Oh, I thought all artists were, you know, total freaks or, you know, everything's all messy. Right. Well, it's funny because obviously you, you have a lot of stuff going on simultaneously as a lot of artists do, but like most of my, artist friends um you know when they're when they're not doing the actual thing that they do you know whatever discipline you see them you know photos of them they've got a very harried look on their face and like almost every single picture i've seen of you like a publicity photo you're smiling so i was like all right this this guy like clearly has something (laughs) organized so well all right i mean Every picture I take or have taken of me working yeah. is, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of that. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, to be totally honest, you know, there, there's that part of it. Uh, but it's also just part of my process. Like, I I have to make space for my work. And um, I'm really used, to, it's only been the last couple of years I've actually had space to work. Yeah. This is like a, typical for a lot of artists you know you're you're in the corner of your apartment or your bedroom or whatever and i you know even when i had my own house to myself it was a very small house i had a one car garage yeah for everything you know and it was just like stuff piled in every corner and i was like cleaning up constantly just to keep working you know sure sure i um, i can definitely understand that as i'm sitting at my kitchen table slash <laughs> art studio myself nice. 
So, well done. yeah, it was, uh, I literally, I was working on a painting about 15 minutes before you called and I was like, Oh, I, I got to wrap up so I can actually focus on this. Um, so is your workspace in your home or do you have a separate workspace now? Uh, I'm, I'm in my home, but it's, uh, the full basement. So I have, it was, it is, it was a one car garage. I've kind of like folded into the rest of the basement. This is attached to the basement. So yeah. I have, for me, it's a ton of space. It's not, you know, the, you know, it's like small, ce- low ceilings, but, um, yeah, it's great. I can actually like set things down and like not have to finish it before I put it away, you know, and just leave things out. And- sure. Sure. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's important. It's, you know, important to have a separate space, but it's not practical for a lot of artists, especially because right. a lot of artists don't make their living making their art right. or don't make their primary living making their art. So it's kind of has to be in corners and tucked underneath mm-hmm. stuff. Um, yeah. So do you, you know, cause one of the things that I like to talk about, but I, I love this whole podcast came about cause I always had conversations with artists that I knew and like, love to hear about people's process, um, mainly because I love, you know, if something sounds like it's working for someone, I'm like, oh, how, how do I steal that and use that to make my process better? But, um, um, you know, when we were texting before trying to figure out a time to do this, you know, obviously you're, you're very busy. Do you like, how do you organize your time? Do you, do you plan out your week beforehand? Like, okay, I'm going to work on this from this point to this point, or how do you, how does your process work with scheduling? Uh, I got to answer that two different ways. One way is in the current tense yep. and the other way would be in the past tense. Sure. Uh, this is all, I have a, I have a 20 month year old child right now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> there's the before her and sure. the during her now. Um, I'll do the during her now part first. Uh, you know, I give, I have a few hours that I get to work each day yep. and, um, you know, they're very confined and, now what I do for that process is um, I don't plan it out as much. Um, it's a good question. I, I do. Pl- what do I do? I set goals for myself. Yeah. To get a, the X amount of work done or X little tiny project done in X amount of time, and um, that's about the most planning I ever do. Okay. Uh, I don't currently plan out my week at all. Yeah. Um, it's really just day to day and it's going fine. Actually, that is, is the ironic part to me because in the past, um, before I had my daughter, it was, um, I did a lot more planning yeah. and I was a lot harder on myself mm. and you know, I failed to meet my own expectations on a daily basis and it was a constant frustration. Yeah. So it's weird, right? Like <laughs> I have a kid and I have barely any time right now and it's like going better even though i'm doing less work sure but i'm more productive in the you know in that very short confined chunks of time whereas before i'd be like sometimes i'd waste an entire morning doing some stupid bullshit that i didn't need to do sure and then you know i would be productive for a few hours and i wouldn't um and before i had my daughter i uh i didn't plan out the week and i but well i did i would try to plan out a week and i would try to plan out the, the days and i wouldn't meet those goals and stuff um but I didn't, I never did much more than that. And I probably won't. I'm not a big, uh, you know, plan on my time kind of person. I just set, yeah. set the goals. Like I said, um, I do, I do a lot of like drawing and sketching for my sculpture. Mm-hmm. So that's 
you know, in a way that's like, like a, like a planning in a way I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of like 2d layout before I go into 3d work. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I was, um, I was on your website, uh, earlier looking at, um, some of the, uh, what are they? What did you call them? The, I mean, uh, the King Cuts uh, series that you did of the directors, um, and a lot of them have you know drop down like your sketches, planning it out and whatnot. Like, yep. so when you get like when you get an idea like that, is it, it, it does it first come to you in a flash, or or is it are you hatching it out on sketch? Because obviously, I'm assuming there's more than just that sketch that went into it. That's just you know, just one example of something. Um, how, how does that, how does that work for you for a sculpture? Uh, getting the ideas, um, is a pretty long process for me, but Mm. I don't usually do more than one or two sketches. Um, I, I've been doing a lot more, uh, uh, just handwriting, like, um, less actual drawing and more, lists yeah. of ideas because um, I, I, I was for a long time, many years drawing out every single idea or tried to draw out every single idea that I had and um, it became crazy. I mean, I was and I still fill a lot of sketchbooks, but I, you know, I realized and I talked to other creative people who, you know, doing similar things and it dawned on me that like, yeah, I should just be doing a lot more of this in writing. Yeah. Sifting out some ideas and then, you know, I'm looking at a list of ideas and it's like, okay, that's a good one. I should put more time into that one and draw it out. Yeah. Uh, so it's usually more like that. And it did, and it went like that with the, with the film directors too. I kind of had like, you know, two, three, four, maybe five or six different ideas for each director. Yeah. And I would sketch out one, two, I think I did three sketches for one or two of them. Um, but that was about it. Like the, the list making really helps. Uh, it, does it come to me in a flash? No, I'm, I'm like, um, I'm just kind of an overachiever, like <laughs> artist thinker. I just have to like sit down and like think about it for a minute, you know, yeah. <laughs> just make myself come up with something and it'll usually happen. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of have to take that more rigorous approach. Um, there's only ideas that come in a flash that, yeah. that happens. And, you know, and I'm learning to be more aware of those things. Um, but it's, it's like when you lose your car keys, those things usually don't happen when you want them to, you know, you, just, right. you know, you find it when you find it and when you stop looking for it. Yeah. Yeah. That, those are usually the better ideas that happen for me. Yeah. Now with a series like the King Cuts, um, do you start working on one or did, did you like, did you have a list of all the directors you wanted to do before you started on the first one or did you have a couple and then it kind of blossomed from there? Uh, well, okay. So this was also a little bit past tense because I was showing with Jonathan Levine gallery and, you know, we were in a series of doing, I, I was in a series of doing shows with him. Yep. Uh, and this was like the third or fourth, I think I, I did with him. And, um, so, you know, we were kind of like in that, like, well, okay, we're going to do this show and I'm going to do 20 or 25 sculptures for this show. And then two years later, I'm going to do another one. It's going to be another 20 to 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I was planning with Jonathan on that film director show. And I just thought, you know, dude, I, I'm not going to make 
be able to make 20 this time. It's just, it was just a lot of work. So what if I did, you know, 15 or 16 or something, um, just kind of said that number. And then, you know, I was trying to think of like the best film directors of all time. And mm -hmm. once they started making that list, it just went bananas. Yeah. You know, I had like 50 people on that list. Easily. Sure. So then it was about who's not going to make it. Right. <laughs> the first 10 were obvious to me. Yeah. Um, it was just the, the next, the next few that weren't, um, you know, and, and I, again, I'm, I'm trying to make a living. So a lot of it was like, well, can, can I sell this piece? Um, sure. Do I have a good enough idea for it? Like maybe it wasn't like one of the better film directors, but I had a really good idea for a sculpture for it. Sure. Not thinking, I can't think of a particular one like that, but I know a few came up like that. Um, it was kind of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Um, I know, um, you know, I'd seen pictures a couple of years ago, um, with Spike Lee, with with the one of of him that you did, um, uh, a wh what was that like meeting you know m meeting him and kind of having him see your depiction of him and did do you know if any of the other directors have have seen the sculptures you did of them? Yeah, uh, fuck man, it was <laughs> you're a can of worms. That was it was like a peak of my life yeah you know when he came to shows it was awesome it was really amazing i, I did a, um a art book of kind of a compilation of my work um that i self-published yep. last year and i kind of wrote about that um in in that book but uh what's the name of that book that, say it again what's the name of that book it's called, uh, I, I, I called it Tiny Happy People. Okay. Um, it's, it's actually really, I spent a lot of time on it. It's a nice 200-page, really pretty art book. Um, I think I still have a few copies left on, on my um, website. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, you know, I probably wrote a couple, uh, maybe three, four pages about it. I did these little, like, anecdotal essays about, like, different events in my career for that book, and that was definitely one of them. Um, but it all kind of led up to that. It was just a tough time in my life. My dad had just gotten diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. We're in the middle of treating him. Um, I'm, you know, that was off in Seattle. I'm off in New York city and I'm wrapping up the show. And on the very last day I was in New York, I'm just sitting there at the gallery and they get a phone call <laughs> and it's Spike Lee himself, not yeah. any representative or whatever right on. asking, you know, about the show Da da I saw it online. They're like, the artist is sitting right here. And he's like, cool, I'll be there in 30 minutes. So he gets in his car from Brooklyn, yeah. and drives into Chelsea on like a, literally a Friday afternoon, was there in 40 minutes, amazingly, I don't know how. <laughs> I, I, and, you know, I'm still there. I'm like, didn't couldn't believe it that he was even coming. And um, he was great. He was totally himself. I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how much of a fan you followed him, but, uh, you know, he's, he's got a little man's complex, right? And, For sure. I, I just loved all the trash talking he did off the court during all his basketball games. Still does, I guess. But um, he, I, the, the the end of it is like you know he, he was he, he was um, basically kind of really half jokingly making fun of my work. He loved the fact that I made a sculpture of him. Yeah, and I painted on the wall, you know, the sixteen best film directors of all time or something. And he made sure he, he was walking out. He saw that. He was like, ooh. He took a picture of that with his own phone. Nice. Um, and I had done a sculpture of Quentin Tarantino that was, I had, I, by chance, hung it directly across the room 
there's a small corridor right across the corridor from spike and he saw that and he's like why'd you do that mm-hmm. <laughs> and i don't i didn't know that they had beef between the oh two. yeah 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 um, I had none, I was I literally, I was like, what are you talking about? This is all, I'm not, you know, in the middle of this with Spike Lee, it's like, oh, all right, <laughs> shit, is he about to unload on me or what? But he didn't care. I mean, he was just like half joking, but right. I was totally uncomfortable. I don't know. It was, it was all really weird. I had that piece that you probably remember I had made him holding a basketball and in reference to the movie Bamboozled, where they're all wearing blackface. Right. I painted that blackface on the basketball that he was holding, yeah. and he didn't, he didn't make any note of it or whatever. Uh, he, you know, he, he did like it. He was making us take pictures with it, and me with him, and all that. And that's where those pictures came up. But um, I was kind of like, you know, he's standing right on the. Other, I had it hanging eye level on the wall. He's standing right on the other side of it. Yep. You know, twelve inches away from me. And so the piece is right there, and you know that basketball is right there. That was a controversial thing I knew I was going to do, and so I'm just like looking at it and him right behind it, and like uh, I got to ask you a question. You know, is this offensive in any way? I yeah. was thinking. I I told him I was like I was going to paint you with blackface, but I decided not to. Yeah, <laughs> he's like good call. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said he said it was fine. He 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 liked it. He wanted to buy it. It was already sold somebody else. So, yeah. Um, it was all in good fun, and he gave me what he had brought from Brooklyn. Was one of his. Uh, they they named they renamed the street in Brooklyn. Um, Do the right thing way yep. years ago, and he you know it was it was a huge honor for him, and he had a limited edition of aluminum road signs made all replicating the actual sign. He brought one to me to the gallery as a gift and signed it over to me at the end as he's walking out. And I'm like, starting to cry. And he's like, he turns the other girls to the gallery. He's like, this guy's crying. (laughs) (laughs) He totally was making fun of me for crying. uh, It was all great. It was just like totally weird and awkward and wonderful. That's a great story though. Yeah. 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 Uh, Speaking of, like connecting with, you know, subject. I remember, I think it was maybe two years ago when I I went and saw, uh, the notorious RBG documentary in the theater. And there's the shot where she's holding the, you know, the, the factory action figure based on your, uh, on your sculpture. And I was just, I, I just remember like, because I audibly said, fuck yeah. And the person I was with was like, what is going on? And I was like, no, no, the dude who designed that, I follow him. And like, that's so awesome. And she was just like, that toy? And I was like, and I tried to explain to her. And she's like, that's cool, I guess. But I, I don't know. I got excited for you. So how did you feel about that? <laughs> that's a great story, too. Um I was really excited. I, I was a little hands-off on that whole interaction. I, I wish I was closer to the action, but yeah. um, the toy company is based in, in, in New York, and they, um, they how did that go? It was one of their employees. The toy company is probably 25 people at the time, mm. and um, one of the employees knew you know, some sort of judicial clerk in some office that was able to get into that one event. Yeah. Um, and got it. So uh, it was actually, I think, two or three people removed from the toy company. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, another level for me. So 
that's actually the crazy part about it is that everybody was so excited about it. Like, yeah. You know, even the intern at the toy company handed it off to some person they knew on, as a personal favor. Like, you know, they had, it was just like, oh, yeah, you know something. Oh, yeah, we should get in front of her. And, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the cool part about it. Apparently, she was very sweet and very quiet. Um, what else did I hear? She's, I think she said she liked it. Yeah. Um, she was smiling the whole time. Uh, but I don't think... I think I remember hearing that she didn't quite get it. Sure. Like, <laughs> didn't, sure. Really, didn't really like, what is this that I'm looking at, you know? Sure. Um, but I think she, she was touched. She was, you know, she was very happy about it. Um, but yeah, when I saw that, so I, so I saw the picture, you know, kind of like everybody else did. That yeah. just handed to me. I'm like, oh my God, what? And I wanted the whole story. And, yeah. Um, it's cool. I, I, I've had, you know, you asked in the last question about other film directors that saw it and, um, saw their pieces and uh, yeah. Tarantino interestingly enough was was another one who saw it yeah this is all online he saw it online and he sent one of his handlers to me um, said they loved it and he tried to commission another piece and it didn't quite work out at the time but uh, it's been really interesting over the years of doing this a long time yeah uh, mostly with all the, the the art army series I did with all those other artists yeah a lot of them saw their own piece and I got to see the whole the whole thing go down because they would come to one of my openings yeah. see it in person for the first time and um, it's it's always really really weird and, and, and really funny and good natured it's just I think it, there's a little bit of voodoo going on when you see yourself in tiny miniature sure uh, but for me to be the one who made that watch it go you know yeah it, yeah <laughs> It's a, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's hard to describe, but, um, it's never, it's never bad. I'm always worried about pissing people off, you yeah. know, like I made them look too fat or too old or whatever <laughs> it is. And, um, you know, even if that happens and it's happened a few times, they're usually not mad about it. Yeah. They're just like, Oh, why'd you make me look like that? You know? And I'm like, I don't know. Sorry. And they're like, I don't care. It's great. You know, right. whatever it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's always interesting to see how other like see how we look through other people's eyes and through the yeah, lens of someone totally. else i um i i did a you know i did a a portrait like a, a a timed portrait thing with another artist friend of mine a few months ago and it was good because it was a good exercise for me because i don't naturally um do well working from live models i usually use you know reference photos and stuff like that so but it was a good exercise for me but then when i like i was happy with the one that i did of her and then when i saw i was like oh shit that it it bummed me out a little bit just because it was realistic looking but i was like oh, that is what i look like all right fair enough fair enough <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah the truth the, the truth comes out yeah, yeah 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 can't fight the truth um, was for the art army one was the, was the Banksy one, the only one that got like mass reproduced? Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. There was a lot of other possibilities along the way. Yeah. And there might still be, but, um, the closest thing that ever came to fruition was, um, there was, there was always a few different museum gift shops that were very interested in, yeah. in carrying, you know, Andy Warhol or Damien Hurst or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And just never got that quite dialed in. Um, still a limited market. I don't know. You know, it's they'd have to be feel like they were, uh, you know, high quality and doing limited runs. 
yes. is, is a tricky business. Um, so never quite happened. Yeah. Well, I know that the, uh, you know, like the vinyl collecting market, it's such a, it's such a niche thing, but that stuff can like, it can either blow up in price so quickly or the stuff right. can, you know, drop in price, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's totally true. I hadn't actually thought about it that way before, but yeah, that, that is very true. Cause there are some vinyl artists and then toy designers that, that do really well. And I think you're right. It's, there's kind of a, big difference between doing really well in collector toys and just not at all. Right. Well, that I was, I think a lot of them just get paid in products. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it can work out if you have a big following and you sell your own work really well, but that's not easy to do. Sure. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of legwork to doing that as well. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. you can't pay the mortgage with vinyl figures. Not unless you're, you know, churning out sales and fulfilling orders like left and right. right. I mean, right. it's, it's, that's a huge operation. Yeah. How, how much of, um, uh, how, how much of your time is spent between actually, you know, creating the art that you planning the art out and then doing the business side of it? Like, yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> not, you know, it's a terrible ratio. I mean, it, the, at the worst point, it was about half and half. Yep. I was doing um, just a lot more uh, correspondence online, emailing and, and updating my website and all that. Um, the social media these days has made most of that kind of work a little more streamlined for me. Yeah. Uh, instead of, you know, cobbling together, you know, trying to attract business to my website and dealing with email all the time, you know, you can kind of funnel that into either Facebook or Instagram or whatever, or Twitter. Yep. Um, so that's a little bit better. I would say the ratio is more like 60, 40 now, something yep. like that. I'm spending a lot more time these days, um, pitching ideas for toys or projects yeah. So it's a different kind of business side. Mm-hmm. There's a little more, there's actually a lot more creative work involved with that, which I'm, you know, like I'm drawing by hand in my sketchbook or, um, or even, you know, modeling on the computer. It's still, still more creative work. Uh, but that's, that's business too. Like I'm, I'm, I'm pitching, I'm making proposals, you know, I'm sure. trying, trying to collect business. So, sure. So yeah, 60, 40, maybe something like that. Yeah. Um, it was funny cause I first kind of got turned on to, um, your artwork, God, I don't remember how, how long ago it was, maybe five, six years ago, but it was like, you know, fine art, action figures, Star Wars, like three of my favorite things combined. So I was like, oh yeah, wait, you know, this guy's amazing. Um, and you did the whole Empire Peaks, uh, series. Um, was there ever any attempt to, you know, mass produce those or is that, I know that gets like, tricky you know with lucasfilm and also now that disney owns lucasfilm like right yeah man that was a good series some weird happened with that series i think um the mashups were tough i I, you know i I was trying to just make like you know basically all different kinds of famous people combined with the different star wars characters i I looked at the characters the cast as like a, a, a a palette Yep. You know, if Chewbacca was the orange in my palette and, you know, Princess Leia was the purple, whatever, I'm like, who would, what other famous real person would fill that little color, sure. color blo- swatch? Um, so there was a, uh, I did 
so many different drawings. I probably did, I think I did uh, 13, 14 different pieces in that series, and I probably did 100-something different sketches. Oh, really? Those. Yeah, a lot of them. Um, and I think what happened, the the selling those sculptures was, was tough. It was really slow. It took a lot of time. Um, uh, and I... So I don't know if they would have been mass produced if that would have if the like price point was an issue. I mean, we're trying to sell sculptures for thousands of dollars a piece. Sure. Um, so maybe that was a thing. I don't know. Um, the timing was weird. I, I did that series that show in 2013, right? And the whole Star Wars thing didn't really like get going again until like 2015, right? Right. So yeah. like it was kind of that lull there and I was kind of like, yeah, let's do a Star Wars show. Right. Was, you know, and yes, you know, people like you and me are excited about it, but the general the whole, public. Yeah, yeah. There was like a lull. And then like two years later, suddenly, you know, I was like, ah, oh, damn it. Right. That would have been the time. To do it. Right. Um, so there was that part of it. I think also doing mashups were, um, you know, I had like some political characters like, you know, uh, whatever it was, Sarah Palin and, you know, actually Donald Trump at the time is Darth, is Darth Vader. Yeah. Uh, but then I also had like Angelina Jolie and these other just, you know, Mike movie star celebrities. Right. And so it was kind of a weird mix in that way. Um, so I don't know, I guess I'm just pointing out all the reasons why it didn't seem like it was going well. If I, you know, I also didn't have my 3D modeling going at the time. Now I actually bought an old 3D scanner and I actually scan just about every single sculpture I do now. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of building a library now. Um, and I should have started that then because I could have easily, I think, gone with, like the Michael Jackson as the Ewok piece was like still would have been weird now, but still like a really strong piece. Sure. You know, like off-putting, but you know. Yeah. Um, still really interesting. So uh, I could have had that part of my process down then. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think licensing would have still been another issue. Yeah. Um, if I even if I'd done like a limited run of a hundred or maybe a thousand, um, they could have just pulled the plug at any moment, give me a cease and desist. So, sure. Uh, and those licenses, those licenses can cost a lot. Um, probably about I don't know five ten grand a piece for each character. Yeah. So you know, it's like all those dumb X's and O's that you gotta like get past. <laughs> sure, sure. And I'm assuming when you first come up with any idea for a sculpture, like that's not the first, that's not foremost in your head. It's just well, hopefully not. Sure. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, it can be. Yeah, for a person like me who's who's making a living at it, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like how much money do I have? How much is this going to cost? You know, that can be the first part of the creative process, which, which sucks, but, um, but it's not always that way and it doesn't have to be that way. And, and I think, you know, the more I can keep pushing, you know, whatever creative vision I have, it, it just turns out better in the end for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, then the work is genuine and, you know, it's obvious that I'm like into it and excited about it and, and it'll show. Sure. Now, I know um, I know the Billie Jean King uh, sculpture and figure that was uh, if I if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that was the first piece you worked on after your father's passing. Um, Just about. Yeah. 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 I think that was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, RBG was right around the same time. Okay. Um, I think you're right, though. God, good memory. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I think it was... No, well, there was a Pope I did right around the same time, but yeah, yeah it was the first time I'd gotten back into like doing real work. Yes. Totally. I gotcha. Yeah. When you started that, was it from the get-go, were you hoping it would become a factory figure or was it just, you know, you were inspired by her and wanted to do it and hope that maybe you could do it or, you know, did you know, did you get in touch with her from the beginning to say, Hey, this is something I'd like to do. Like how, how does that work with a real person? Uh, um, no, the, the toy, toy company did all of that. Okay. Um, they did the legwork to contact her. I'm trying to remember how she came up as a figure to do. Um, we were wanting to do more sports figures that had crossed over into like the political arena. Sure. Um, we were feeling, we were feeling kind of like stuck in the political realm. Um, yeah. And we're trying to get out of that. Uh, uh, Jason Feinberg, the owner, owner of the toy company factory is, um, you know, he's, good friend of mine, we're the same age, he's a total sports nut like I am too, and so we, you know, that, that was another part of it, we just kind of wanted to get into sports characters, yep. um, there's huge licensing problems that happen right off the bat, um, interestingly enough, the tennis players um, have less issues just because of the way they're licensed as personalities, there's only a few like Venus and Serena, you know, who... Yep really actively protect their own uh, intellectual property um, for good reason. Uh, um, but we were thinking about Billie Jean King loosely, um, but I think what happened is somehow it got around to us that she wanted to do a figure with us. Yeah. Like she almost approached the toy company. I think that's how that went down. Somebody like met her at a conference or something. It was a, it was a kind of a backwards kind of, in a way, um, yeah. I think maybe a, a casual mention, like, oh, yeah, she's interested, blah, blah, blah. And I think Jason was excited about that because he loved her. Yeah. And, and then he mentioned that to me. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Because uh, I remember her growing up and, you know, I thought she was awesome then. Yeah. Um, so it was more like that. Uh, normally, with, with that toy company, um, we do a pretty even give and take as far as making pitches to each other. Yeah. So like sometimes Jason, well, for example, right now, um, there's been a lot of requests for an Anthony Fauci action figure. Yeah. And I, I could feel it in the ether, you know, I could just sure. feel it coming around me, but I was like, uh, I'm not sure if I want to do that. Um, I'd be willing to, I'm just, would I be excited about it? Sure. I don't know. Um, I love him. I think he's great. Yeah. I just action figure. So Jason just asked me a few days ago and, you know, I'm like, yeah, we should probably do that. Um, So that's another example of how it can go. (laughs) Sure. Sure. Um, There's been a few instances. I I, I pitch, I pitch a lot of ideas to them. There's been a few instances where they've taken me up on that. Um, But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lumbering process with them. Um, And they're even great to work with. They're a small company, but you know, it's, talk about Exodus and O's, I mean, they have a lot more bottom line than I do as far as, you know, having to make money. So sure. it's a very political process, you know, not just picking political characters too. Either, right. But, um, uh, just deciding, you know, who they think is going to make money and 
um, who they think will fit their series and all that. Yeah. I know um, the project that you've been posting a lot of updates. And also, I I think it's great, like, to see your process. Like, you show, like, so many steps from it. And it's funny because so many artists are really secretive about their process. But I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like anyone who's doing something right and, you know, stuff is working for them is, like, usually pretty open and willing to share not necessarily like advice but like hey this has worked for me and here here's how it's going um so it's been really cool to see the process but i know you're working on that uh colin kaepernick uh piece um is that is there plans to turn that into a figure or like a limited run like sculpture or like to purchase I don't know what I'm doing with that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just something I had to do. I I started sculpting it in wood um, because I wanted to make the joints strong. I had to make him. I wanted to make him hold two different poses: a neutral standing pose and the kneel. Obviously, yeah. He had to kneel. Yeah. He had to kneel. That was the starting point. Sure. And it was like, do I want him to be able to stand up and take a normal pose? I was like, yes. So then I had to make all these different joints and his arms and legs and so i decided well i have to carve them in wood to do that to make the joints strong yeah um and then i decided that i wanted to be able to use my scanner and that scanner is only really good for um just larger figures about 18 inches and and bigger yeah um so that's where it all started right there i was just like well i want to be able to make a 3d model and i want to make it articulate and um you know, at this point, uh, the toy company is maybe an outside option, but there's, you know, sorry, I just keep bringing it up, but this is my world. This is another licensing issue. Sure. Kaepernick himself, probably, if I could get a hold of him, which is next to impossible, yeah. might even like it, but uh, he's signed a huge contract with Nike at this point. Right. And they would be the ones. I would send the season to Sis. Sure, sure. Which they would do in a heartbeat, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I don't know where I'm going with it. I think um, I could probably get away with doing a limited 3D print edition. Like I've been doing these little 3D prints. Um, I have this other company do them for me, and, and they're okay. They're not the quality isn't great, but um, they're they're kind of the only ones that will do. Uh, let me set up my own shop, which I really like. And they produce, they have these full color 3d prints, which is hard to find. Um, so that's, that's an option just as something that people can get, you know, um, because I don't want to just like, I'm I'm fine selling the original, uh, carving. It's just, it's, there's there would only be one buyer and I'd have to sell it for, at least a couple grand. I don't even know. I mean, I'm sure. putting a lot of time into it. So yeah. don't know where I'm going with that. Um, but I wanted to touch base, touch back to what you said at the beginning about the process, because it's really interesting. I remember something, the writer, uh, I think it's Charles Johnson. Um, uh, he wrote, uh, heart of darkness. Okay. Um, uh, he's actually, uh, you know, Older generation guys, I think he's from Seattle, if not originally, he's been teaching at the University of Washington for years. Um, this goes way back to high school when I read that book. We were watching this documentary about him, so we're, I'm, this is uh, mid-90s. Yeah. And he said something at the time that it stuck with me literally since then for whatever, 25 years or something. He said um, that he felt like as a writer, 
uh, if he learned something or discovered something that he felt like he had an obligation to give it back. Yeah. Like if he, if something, you know, really dawned on him, he just was automatically, he just turned it back right back around. And, um, so funny. I mean, I was really young when I heard that, but it really stuck with me. And I think I had that kind of value in me from my parents and my upbringing and my friends. And, um, so it's just, it's just kind of automatic for me at this point, yep. but posting it online, I didn't, I was really slow to do. I mean, I, I like, I'm, I have never started a TikTok. I never went <laughs> to Snapchat or, you know, like I wait for these platforms to get like boring and then I come in and sure. you know, I'm, I'm not like really savvy to it, but, um, but once I have learned, you know, begrudgingly that it can work for that, yep. um, you know, I'm, I think it's, um, I've just kind of like folded it into my process now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to show everybody each step and, and the benefits have been good. I think, um, I get feedback along the way. That's one thing, but also, uh, people f- start to feel invested in something that they see before it's finished. Right. So instead of just saying, here's the toy at the very end, blah, 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 now I want you to buy it. Right. Right. <laughs> if I show every little bit along the way, people are like, ooh, what's this, what's this? And then they see it done, you sure. know, and especially if they have, like, given feedback along the way. Like, they can feel like, well, they've actually helped make this thing. Um, and that's all cool. I think that's, that's, that's a very cool, kind of fascinating new thing that, that I'm, I'm glad I kind of came around to. I'm still, I just don't like, the maintenance work, sure. <laughs> but, uh, but there's definitely good parts to, to, to posting online. Well, it's, I, I know for me, like, you know, cause I've watched a few of, um, the sculptures that you've done from the beginning and it's, it's, there's such a payoff seeing the final thing because it is kind of like, you, you know, we're with you on the journey and it's not, you know, cause when you go through Instagram, you know, you're scrolling, you're seeing pictures, you're seeing pictures. Yeah. You like it. And then, you you've forgotten about it as soon as you've scrolled up, but if right. it's something that's been like building right. for weeks and you know, right. you, you see, it's like watching a house being built. You see the foundation right. dug and then, it, you know, it's so, I don't know, it's satisfying. And it's also like, then I'll go back and look through the, the older ones and be like, Oh yeah, this, this was on top of this was on top of this. So I think it's a, I don't know. I think it's a really cool process. And I wish more artists would do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, I think, um, I also realized at some point that, you know, how much I was starting to look at my phone. I was also really slow to a smartphone. Yeah. Um, I didn't get it until, I don't know, 2012 or something. Yeah. And when I did, I was on it all the time. And that's when it re- it finally dawned on me. And I was slow to social media before that. But it, when I actually had my own phone, then it dawned on me as I'm like obsessively looking at it that, it's, it's you just want the bump you just need one more little bump you know? right and once that it was like okay i can actually do that I, yeah you know it was hard for me that before that to think like well i need to produce something enough for people to want to see it online and then once i realized no i don't really have to produce much yeah just a little bit just yeah. a little something yeah it's all it takes yeah um what was the uh like what was the catalyst? Because right now you have the the eBay auction going for the RBG two uh, mashup figure that that you made. I mean, obviously, uh, you know she's had another 
another bout of cancer, but uh, wh- where'd you get the idea to to mash up the figure with the the R two droid? Um, where did I get that idea? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I wanted to make her into something else. Mm-hmm. I knew that. Um, I was thinking of making her into some little mystic. I was thinking about Yoda. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had that R2 droid out. That's right. But I think it was my daughter, the baby, was playing with my old Star Wars figures. And I had these newer ones mixed in. Like that one I'd gotten in Disneyland a couple years ago. Yeah. It was black. I was thinking about RBG. I think she was even like sitting close to where the baby and I were playing with the old figures. And I think she even pulled that one out. She was looking at it. She loves R2-D2, which, you know, I'm proud to say. I've right. Successfully indoctrinated. Nice. <laughs> but she, so she pulled that one out. It was a little black one. I was looking at over RBG and... And then, you know, it was all kind of clicking because I'm thinking, God, yeah, she, I feel like she is like a machine. Like she's just still, still with us. And there's yeah. something, you know, mechanical inside there that keeps her going. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it, where it came out of. Uh, the Like the, the dimensions were perfect too. Yeah. And they're holding this little R2 and I was looking at her waistline and I'm like, yeah, right there. That would be a nice little spot to mix it yeah um but yeah it just kind of clicks like that and you did some re-sculpting of some of the parts too or uh some like to kind of like retrofit it so it would go together right yeah the elbows yeah yeah, yeah i didn't know how to do the arms um but I, get, I think i started at rbg's actual shoulders and then i made the transition at the elbow and i had to recarve rbg's elbow just a little bit to yeah. fit the right little slot but it was it was yeah it was tricky i actually i dismantled both the actual plastic joints of each of the characters and i don't normally like mess around with plastic right you know like old school i do it in like wood dowels you know that are squeaky and don't really fit right Right. or i or i do it in clay and i use like elastic band you know it's it's all very diy whenever i do it um right so to like open up the actual you know manufactured joint where they know how to engineer these things i'm like oh this is hard (laughs) (laughs) it's tiny you know and like precise so oh and i love that you made uh a new 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 packaging for it it looks you know because i i have the rbg figure it's funny i'm you know i'm a i'm a 44 year old uh action figure collector but i'm i strictly take stuff out of the box i'm like all right if i'm a dude in my 40s collecting toys i'm going to enjoy them to the fullest nice but good for you i did i did save the rbg box i have it on the wall you know the 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 seal's been open so i could take her out and stuff like that and i've showed many friends but uh that was i was like this packaging's too good to get rid of so i like that there's the the custom packaging for the rbg2 figure Nice. And yeah, then, thank you. And then uh, the the money from the auctions going to rock the vote, correct? Yes, uh, a chunk of it. I'm yeah, yeah. Try to, I mean, I'm going to try to keep a little chunk, but yeah, sure. Do a chunk to rock the vote. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, you know, I, I'm definitely trying to, to work in like a charitable donation to most things I do these days. And sure. I was thinking it would be right for her and the time, and I felt like an election issue and registering voters and. Um, 
And I was like, I was just kind of looking, looking up charities that are specifically devoted to registering more voters. And, and there they are. Rock the vote. Oh my God. They've been around forever. You know, I'm like, Oh, yeah. that's kind of cool. I, I remember them. Sure. Yeah, I definitely remember it from uh, the MTV days back when, you know, MTV used to play music and stuff like that. They were uh, used to you know, play music and did important things. Yeah, I mean, that, they, they did. I mean, that was that was like an actual institutional like culture at, at, at MTV. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I distinctly remember Dave Mustaine from Megadeth doing quite a few uh, Rock of the Vote, like little talking head bits. Uh, awesome. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's amazing to think about that now that that happened all in one place. I mean, everything from MTV news to all those videos and yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, there's a, there's a bunch of other stuff uh, in your career that I could ask you about, but I also know that your time is precious. So uh, I'll have to, uh, you know, put you on the line and maybe, maybe some other time. I'm happy happy to do the other one. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Cool, man. I I really appreciate it. Um, so if someone wants to check out, you know, your stuff that you've done, stuff that you're working on, I know, uh, what's your Instagram handle? It's at Mike Levitt. Uh, M I K E L E A V I T T. Yeah. And it's Mike Levitt art.com is your website. That's my website. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other, uh, are you on any of the other social media platforms if they want to check it out? That I'm way? on Facebook. Yeah. I think that's also at Mike, Le- at, at Mike Levitt Arts. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't use Facebook as much. Instagram is really good. And my website, I keep totally updated. Those are, those are the two good targets. Right on. Awesome. And then you're the... <clears throat> the figures are on uh, Factory's site as well. I know that there's links on your website to it as well. Yep. So. Yep. Yep. If it goes through the sales, go through them, or for my website, it's it's all the same to me. So. Right on. Awesome. Well, Mike, I appreciate the time. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. And uh, thank yeah. you, Scott. Yeah. yeah. Good to talk to you. Yeah. Awesome. Be well, man. Okay. Thanks a lot. Good night. All right.